Hey everyone, welcome to the Middle East Podcast Forum Podcast. I'm Omar Saban, co-founder of Mustadfir, one of the longest-running podcast production companies in Saudi based out of Jeddah. And I'm Hiba Fisher, co-founder and CEO of the Kerning Cultures Network, which is the first venture-backed podcast company in the Middle East. And Mustadfir, Kerning Cultures, and Art Jamil were the co-hosts of this year's forum, which was held at Jamil Art Center in Dubai on October 4th. 2019. This episode is the recording of the 2019 Forum's sixth and final panel called Disruptors of Other Industries. Thank you to Lucas Scrobot of Anchored Strategy, who was our event media sponsor, and Sarudid Badiro, who helped monitor the recording during the forum. Let's get into it. We have one final panel, um, so hold hold on with us, and then we'll do a, a networking session where we'll get to move around and get to know who's in the room if you haven't had a chance to meet uh, some of your colleagues. Um, this last panel is called Disruptors of Other Industries, so uh, Ammar has put together a, pa- a group of panelists where we can, um, because with podcasting, we're basically creating a new category of media, right? And so... How, what can we learn from other industries that they've disrupted those spaces as well? Um, I think we have one panelist where they're in the audio space as well, so we'll learn from a, a different side from podcasting. But uh, Ammar is our moder- moderator today. Ammar Saban is the co-founder of Mestad for the Podcasting Network. Um, please give it up for Ammar. Thank you, Hiba. Okay, so um, first panelist is known for his thought-provoking lyrics Eccentric blend of English and Arabic. He's a rising hip hop star from Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, who's also the founder of Creative Entertainment Group. Please give it up for Mulham Kareem. Our second panelist is a business architect, early stage seed funder, and a startup specialist. So he has money. If you want any to invest in any projects, he can give you. I'm joking. Um, He specializes in designing modular growth-based sustainable models by transforming complex challenges into structured methodological processes. Please give it up for Usama Nattu. Last but not least, he's the CEO of Kitab Salty. He focuses on building uh, teams with excellent people and uh, share Kitab Salty's vision. Uh, namely, to make knowledge and entertainment easily accessible, please give it up for Sebastian Bond. So I'll start with Mulham. So almost every podcaster starts with uh, while working a regular time job, right? No, nobody does this full time, I don't think. Um, so how did you balance two lives, uh, one formal, a corporate life, and one as an artist, uh, a rapper? Hey, guys. I hope everyone's doing a good day. Uh, shout out to everyone who's spoken today. It's been a beautiful set of sessions. Uh, I thoroughly enjoy them. So just a quick backstory for me. I'm a consultant for Bain & Company, which is a consulting firm based out of Boston. I work out of Dubai. I fly two times back and forth between Dubai and Riyadh keep going back and forth every single week because most of my clients are in Riyadh, right? So in doing that, it's about a 70 to 80 hour uh, week job. No exaggeration. That's the average if you ask any consultant in the industry. And so finding time to do anything else uh, on the side is extremely difficult, um, let alone like sleep and see friends and actually have somewhat of a regular life. And um, for me, at some point during my Probably second year uh, in my consulting career, I decided that I wanted to do music. We were on this trip to Abu Dhabi, a friend of mine that was visiting and I, he was like, so why aren't you doing music? Why not? I've been doing it since probably like last year of high school, college, whatnot, but I never really took it seriously. 
wasn't really sure, do I want to go down this route? Do I not want to go down this route? It's a lot of the people in my family, culture, like everyone was like my uncles and whatever, not really the biggest uh, fans of like actually pursuing a job in music. And so for me, um, I never really took that step, I would say, until probably my second year at Bain. And I was like, okay, now I'm actually going to do music. And being able to balance those pretty much meant that I had to punt everything else and just um, outside of work, any few seconds that I had, it would go into music. Uh, any break that I had would go into music. I cut out a lot of relationships, cut out everything that you could potentially do in terms of leisure time and just focus on that. And we can dive more into it right after that. Exactly. I mean, for us in Mustadfir, the same way, we had no social life whatsoever in doing this because you're working during the day and then at night, uh, you have to do what you have to do to produce your podcast. Um, so, Sebastian, uh, audiobooks are a new thing in the region. It's not; it hasn't been here for a long time, like newspapers or any other type of uh, medium. So, relative um, to uh, okay, so it's similar to podcasts in a lot of ways, where it's it's an audio-based thing and it's a new industry. Do you see an overlap between podcasts and audiobook in general in the region? Hi, very nice to be here. Um, uh, do we see an overlap? Yeah, we think so. I mean, we, we want to believe that um, consumers, uh, they, they listen to audiobooks or podcasts for the same reason. And, and that's uh, on a high level that they want to you know, consume uh, knowledge or entertainment uh, in the format of spoken audio. Uh, and whether that's a podcast or an audiobook from the beginning, beginning doesn't really matter. Uh, and I think that the, the, I mean, it's, it's two different formats and uh, what's really an audiobook and what's a podcast. Uh, you have uh, podcasts that are one hour and you have audiobooks that are 45 minutes. So is it then the length or is it the format? Um, so from that point of view, we do believe there's an overlap uh, between uh, the podcast listeners and the audiobook listeners. Amazing. So... I'll ask you, Osama, uh, podcasters usually do other stuff um, other than podcasting. They start with another profession, whether it's like in something in corporate or medicine or whatnot. So each podcaster comes into their show with a certain influence um, from their background and from the education they have. So how is being an outsider to uh, a certain industry helps uh, bring a fresh perspective to their project? Well, thank you very much, Amar, for this uh, question. Before I answer, I would like to thank my wife for coming and supporting me tonight. <laughs> and also, thanks to my daughter. So the two most important women in my life are here tonight. Now, going back to your question, uh, I'm a big believer that having an outside, uh, being an outsider will bring a lot of fresh mind, uh, fresh um, perspective into things. Uh, there have been so many events where personally I was involved in, in some sort of a project that has nothing to do with my background and was able to come up with uh, f fresh ideas. So I believe if someone doesn't have any information about podcast or interviewing or recording and they just come with their perspective from their industry, let it be medicine, let it be advertising, uh, let it be sales, definitely they will, be add, uh, they will add something. What I noticed in the podcast uh, and, and the webinars era and, and all that, there's a certain formula that everybody follows. And I noticed the people that come in and, and don't follow that formula actually make it big. So my advice to everyone is don't just follow the formula. See what can you add from your background. If you're coming from medicine, from sales, from supply chain, whatever you're coming back from, 
see how can you add that to the podcast and disrupt that industry. Mulham, so podcasting exists in a fairly new uh, platform in the region, whether it's like on, on Apple Podcast or if people are using SoundCloud, Angami, uh, Deezer, and all these. How did uh, streaming platforms for music for, for your profession as, as a recording artist, how did that help launch your career in, in that field? Shout out to, uh, shout out to the, la- the labels and the... Um the music streaming platforms that are actually in the house tonight. Yeah, it's a huge deal. And if you think about it, from both, uh, whether it's Ngami, Spotify, Apple Music, which are three main in the region, um, half of them, third, two-thirds of them, I think, are in the room today. Or actually, all of them were here. I met all of them today. And um, what they've been doing on their platforms is they've been actually looking and seeking out a lot of the talent in the country. So whether it's in Saudi, whether it's in UAE, they're meeting with the locals and actually understanding who they are, what they want to do, what's happening. They're very close to the ears and hearts and minds of the people in the regions, particularly the artists um, and the podcasters. So what they do is they're able to actually work with them and bring them onto the platform in a very unique way. Uh, Particularly um, when it comes to music though, you have a presence, obviously, through video on YouTube. You can put it out on SoundCloud. But when you um, come out and you say, well, oh, my new EP is released on Spotify, on Rami, on Apple Music, right? It's a little bit of a different sense. And particularly, it's even a step above that when the both, whether it's three, I don't want to talk about anyone in particular, but all three are supportive of that movement. And they're actually saying, oh, this is what you kind of should need to do. These are the statistics behind uh, the numbers um, in Saudi, in UAE. So they kind of listen to what you're doing, what you're putting out, and sort of also help guide the direction in a very unique way, in a, in a way that actually speaks to the region very natively, as opposed to just looking at it from a global perspective. Um, Sebastian, as podcasters, God knows we have a lot of challenges. One is how to get money. <laughs> but for you, what are the sort of challenges that you saw in, in, com- in, in entering a new industry like uh, audiobooks? Well, um, I, I think that we in the audiobook industry have a lot of challenges as well as, as podcasters, but also a lot of opportunities. Um, I think one challenge for us when we started, which was now uh, almost four years ago, uh, was that there was basically no content out there. Um, so when we decided we wanted to, to do um, Arabic audiobooks, uh, we need to do everything from scratch ourselves. So we need to be a distribution platform um, like uh, Andrami and Spotify, but we're also a digital publishing company actually producing all audiobooks on our platform by ourselves, which costs a lot of money uh, and takes a lot of time. So a general lack of of high quality uh, Arabic content uh, uh, has been and I think is uh, our challenge. Uh, and I think that's a challenge in general, as we have heard today. That like you know, there's there's been happening a lot uh, on the on the podcast scene and the audiobook scene the past years, but it's still in our early phase, and um, and we need more more podcasters and more great content. I think. Osama, people see that focusing on a domain is important to progress. However, you believe in combining different domains. Um, and combining different un- unrelated, actually, domains uh, brings innovative solutions. How is that possible? Well, we have an example here. This guy is a consultant. I don't know why he does management consulting in the morning and at night he's rapping. I mean, that's, that's an amazing example. And how many people out there that are stuck with some sort of stigma saying that 
I'm a podcaster. I should stay to podcasting, or I'm in, in I'm in radio, or I'm an engineer. Yourself, you you're an engineer, and then you went into puppeteering, into podcasting. So, in my opinion, nobody should stick to what they studied or to what their family want or their community. Go ahead, go out there. You will be attacked definitely. Every time I make a move that is outside my domain, I get attacked from close ones and also from people uh, in the public. But that is the moment when you know you're actually going to make it big. So the more attacks they're coming to you, of course, I mean, don't go do anything illegal or hurt anyone and then say, oh, I'm getting attacked. No, the more attacked you get, actually, that's the mean the time that you are stepping out of your zone and you're there to create something great. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, so ne never be shy. Try. Like, for example, I, I launched a webinar three months ago. And I'm sharing the numbers with people. They cannot believe the number of viewers I'm having and the money I'm making for, for each webinar. And just three months ago, I had no idea how to create uh, a webinar. Um, so, and just because I did not follow the formula, I'm not from the industry, I'm an outsider, and it worked. So just go ahead and try something outside of the, your domain. And the way I do it personally, every year or every three months, I set a domain that I'm going to go and, and learn about. So I'll go and learn about investigation, about biology, about physics. It's something that has nothing to do with, with my day-to-day -day life, but then how can I apply something I learned from physics into a webinar or, or something else? Can, can I piggyback just off of that real quick? So just to give you a quick, quick snippet. So for me, uh, graduated, went into corporate for three years, right? And for me, I worked for a strategy consulting firm, i.e. I help companies either raise revenues, cut costs, or restructure their organization, right? It's very business-oriented, right? Pretty much has really nothing to do with art and music in terms of creating Right? That's very different. However, there are very few, in my opinion, artists, pure artists, who actually understand the business side of things, actually how to run a label, how to run a talent management firm, how to actually hold like, a full team of content creators and actually hire a manager as opposed to signing to a label and then having them run pretty much everything for you, taking an 80% cut of why of like what you're creating, right? That's a very different story uh, than you having actual business context, going into an industry as an artist, because I was as a rapper, that being able to then also run and start a record label from scratch and do your own thing, right? So then you don't have the control that's coming from on top of you. It's a very different direction. So I didn't come from the music industry. I was in a very different industry, strategy consulting, going into music. That's typically not a direct move that you do, especially going in as an artist. So that's sort of the benefit of going into the music industry, having a business perspective. That's just one example of something that you could do that, um, that people don't expect. It's like if you go into real estate with like a graphic design perspective, like you don't know the parallels that's in that, right? It's, it's a very unique perspective of real estate when you have a graphic design background, one example. Well, along, that, uh, along those lines, as an artist, it's, unless you're a social media sensation or you're somebody who's famous, it's really hard for you to make money. So as an artist yourself, how did you make money in that field? Yeah, so uh, making, art, making, music, making money as an artist pretty much happens in one of four revenue streams, uh, two that are really actually meaningful, right? With streaming, unless your numbers are extremely high, right, like you're in mil millions and millions, tens of millions, it's not as really beneficial for you. It's not sustainable as an artist. What is sustainable, though, when you're able to do is if you're able to build your brand to a point where it can get you to be able to do a lot of brand deals, right? I got my 
luckily enough, built it to a point where I was able to work with Reebok and they were happy enough to collaborate. Great collaboration, great company, right? So that's one way to do it. So you have streaming, you have working with brands. A third thing is um, pretty much, um, so it's streaming that, live performances, actually going and performing live for X event or X actual, like you could do whatever, you could do weddings, you could do companies, depends on what you are. If you're a singer, you're a rapper, depends on what it is. These are really the three main income streams as an artist. Uh, for me, I focus on actual brand deals or if I'm able to do a lot of live performances, that's where I'm pushing, right? But you also have to consider, in my case, music was 10 to 15% of my time while I was pursuing uh, consulting full-time. Recently, I've been able to, and I'm lucky to say this, take a little bit of a step back from the consulting world and be able to actually focus on music full-time, sign other artists who are, have a lot of big potential, nurture them, put out their music, produce, release it into the world. People who are super, music particularly, a bunch of people are interested in, from the comedy world, from, like the, from a lot of different perspectives, want to come into music. Like if you see a lot of the YouTubers, a lot of the like content creators, a lot of them want to do music because brands are starting to be really interested in music. So it's kind of this, I'm just lucky enough to be at a time in which Saudi is also opening up really heavily on music to be at this particular point in time where I'm able to actually take that, take that leap into music uh, from consulting. So Sebastian, as we heard before, um, data is really important for podcasters. How did you on your platform work with data segmentation? Yeah, I mean, we touched about, uh, upon that earlier today and, uh, and um, I think that's, uh, uh, that's a very important part of understanding who your audience is uh, and how they consume your content. Um, so we, we um, uh, invest a lot of time and money to try to segment the users based on where they come from, uh, where they listen, how they listen. Uh, and, and when it comes to audiobooks that we are doing, uh, you have several aspects of that. You have the... You have the specific narrator, author, kind of book, storyline. So there are a lot of different dimensions. Um, and it's sometimes difficult to know, you know, is this book super popular in this specific segment because this narrator is amazing uh, or because they like the storyline. Um, so there's a lot of work to do there to really, uh, to really understand um, your content and how people consume it. Um, and then we combine that like hard statistic data with actual interviews, surveys, uh, and trying to dig deeper uh, to uh, understand how we can um, um, produce better content. Um, last question, Osama. Uh, sustainability is really important for any content creator. How did you work that in with your crazy lifestyle and all the number of projects that, because I know you do a lot of projects every day. How, how, how can you stay sustainable in each one? Do you know, actually, I had a song with Qusay, okay, and I got paid for it. Yeah. Yep. So this is just an example of how you can actually make money from others, other areas. So go back to that question. Uh, what I noticed uh, from the businesses, especially here in the Middle East, the market is relatively small. And especially if you're based in the UAE, the market is, is small. So a lot of people actually depend on the market from Saudi or, or neighboring countries. So how can you make revenue and make it sustainable and grow it in regardless which industry you're in? You could be in graphics design, could be in content creation, could be in podcasting. And what I found, automation is key. You need to automate. 
So how long is, is it taking you to record the episode, to edit it, to upload it? Where, where can you automate? Okay. For example, now I have actually created some systems where I record something here and, and while it's uploading, I'm recording something else. And so think of automation. Automation is key for you to improve your uh, production and productivity as well as become cost efficient. The other thing in automation is how can you reach more people? Everyone is online now. So how can you reach more people on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, Snapchat, or whatever channels you have? Again, that's automation. And I'm not sure if Spencer is still here. Spencer runs a live uh, session every Monday on Facebook. Attended and actually you learn a lot about how to reach people more and using automation. So I believe automation is key. Look at your industry. Don't say that oh, automation does not apply to me. Look at your industry and see where can you find tools that automate. A lot of tools today will give you a one month to two months free. Go ahead and try it. And once, once that works for you, go ahead and pay the subscription model. It could be $10, $20. But that is really minimum to the amount of benefit you can get out from automation. So automation is key. Exactly. And, and, and that's true. For us, Like we struggled when we were doing Mustafa for the first year. It was amazing. Second year, everybody got, was busy. Everybody went to a different country. And it was really hard to sustain the show. But making the whole production process easier and making it easier, like whatever rules we had, Rami knows this. He always you know, cuts down any, any type of gimmicks I try to do because it's like, oh, this is going to take too much time or it's going to make it difficult to work. And it's true. I mean, up to the point where we started, we, did, we didn't have to be both on every episode. So whoever's you know, free and can produce something, they can produce it and go through. So um, I don't want to take too much of your time. Thank you very much. Round of applause for our panelists. And we have 10 minutes for questions right now. So if anybody has a question, yes, here. Oh, nice. Hey. All right, check. All right, check. Can you hear me? One, one, two. OK. We good. Oh yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, Mulham, this goes to you. Uh, you know, you're you're uh, you're somebody who's uh, you know representing Saudi Arabia when it comes to obviously you know rap and hip hop. Will we ever see a podcast coming from you as a musician by the musicians? Like talk about you know the struggles that you guys face and maybe talk about you know Saudi rap or whatever. Is that something we can see? I'm talking to you as a fan right now. Is that something we can? I'll I'll just jump in. We tried. And we're still in negotiations. If you guys want to hear a Mulham podcast, make some noise. Yeah. The people have spoken, my brother. First of all, I'm a fan of you. Big house, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> okay, get a room. <laughs> uh, funny enough, right before, earlier this morning, we were actually talking about it. I was talking about it to uh, our friend. And um, it's... it's uh, for sure, for sure. It's just, I don't think, I think if we were to do it, we definitely add a video element to it just because, and we've been talking about podcasts throughout the entire day, but there's a huge video first uh, culture. That's just how it is in the region. So I would definitely add that element first. And it would just be talking about building the record label, honestly, just like the, the actual journey of building it. And uh, it's something I've been toying with, particularly today, a bunch of people instigated the idea. So uh, yeah, we'll see, let's see. My man. We have a question also. Okay. All right. Hi. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Rayan, um, and I'm creating a podcast about mental health. My question is uh, to my friend Osama. From what I know about you, you always have this weird, unique perspective about things in the world. And I'm going to quote uh, Cuba Gooding uh, Jr. and Tom Cruise in saying, "Show me the money." 
You seem to be the money guy. You're dressed for the part. <laughs> you have a bunch of artists struggling here. So, uh, no, but really, what are some of like, the unique areas you think? The money, there's money there, and nobody here knows about it. And if you have to tell me privately, I'm okay with that too. <laughs> uh, no, I'm okay. If, if I'm shy about talking about money, then money will run away. So I'm not shy about that. Um, I, I was once um, on the Mustafa episode with Rami and uh, and uh, Mar, and I asked him how much money do you make, and he's like, we don't make any money from the podcast. Yeah. And I was like, okay, guys, and you can go back to the episode 107, and I said, okay, let's talk about uh, after this podcast to tell you how we can make money, and that never happened. Now I have a secret I would like to reveal to Ammar and uh, Rami. Do you know how much money I made out of that episode? Give me a number. <laughs> okay, I'm not joking. It's a quarter of a million dirhams. Yes. I'm not joking. A quarter of a million dirhams. The reason is, when I was on the podcast, these guys, what they did is, they had the mic rolling, and I didn't know the mic was rolling, so I was talking about a product that was in development. And what happened is, people, when they listened to the podcast, they stopped listening, and they came to my website looking for that product. Okay, and I actually made money from selling those products. I don't see. I see his look now. He's not oh, really that you're happy. You're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. Okay. I didn't see a cut from that, yes. but you're welcome. Now, and all of a sudden we got all those orders, and the product was not ready, and I had to work overnight and get people and hire ten people at the same time in ten different countries to get it rolling. But thank you very much for hosting me on, on that episode. No, no, but seriously, on, on, on that note, this is one of the reasons why we have the podcast, because we, we do believe that there's a lot of people who have amazing stuff and amazing talent, amazing work, amazing products that nobody really thinks of or, or nobody talks about. And it was a pleasure for us to have you on the show. And I'm really happy that you actually, you know, benefited from that. That's just a testament to what podcasts can do. So I Thank Thanks. Yeah. So, so now going to, to, going to the point, I think you need to go in with the financial identity that I'm doing this also for money. Yes, I understand a lot of you actually here are doing it for fun. They're doing it as a passion. That's great. I do a lot of business for passion. I have a website called withersama.com. Over a weekend, I developed it. It's a passion. 30 to 40,000 dirhams a month making from that website. So you can, if you have the financial identity that, yes, I'm doing this not for the money, but money is part of it. To be sustainable, you need money. You, to reach more people, to just to put a Facebook ad, you would need $2,000 a month, you know, to make it effective. So in my opinion, start with the financial identity. Yes, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a doctor, I'm an MD, I'm now I'm, I'm a content creator, I'm a YouTuber, I'm a podcaster, but at the same time, also, I'm a rich person. Not just with content, but I'm also rich financially. That's a very key point. You need to start with that identity. Because even if you have the best podcast and you have the best, best hosts, guests and uh, the number of uh, listens uh, on it or the number of views and you don't have that identity you not find a way to implant a way for people to, to to pay you and at the end of the day is people need to pay you so do you have today a way that after the people listen to your podcast oh i, I love big Hass, i love ammar i love rami and then what first thing people do is go look you up okay so today when i go look you up what do i find okay go and try to look me up look up usamanatu and see what do you find and that was not by accident, that was by design. Because you need to funnel people into a way to put money into your bank account. Just like what happened with the podcast. No, and this is, again, this is, this is really good because a lot of us don't know how to make money. 
And and part of the reason why we have an event like this is to bring people like you and you and you and everybody, bring them together and have them help each other out just to get that. Because there's a lot of money to be made in podcasting. We just need to know how to do it. Um, I love this. Um, so uh, there's a topic that I've faced with a couple of podcasters before. Um, and I heard it today a couple of times. And I want to share my opinion. Um, we come, we live in a world of video, but I beg everyone not to fall in the trap between differentiating video as a marketing format and a content format. If you're creating video, you're a vlogger, you're not a podcaster, right? Because if you're creating a vlog, you're talking about, you know, this is how you use this phone and you show it or whatever. So vlog, podcast, two different formats. Um, a little bit of insight, and I've given a lot of hip-hop uh, metaphors today or stories. When hip-hop first started in the 70s, it was about the art of rapping, like how people rap and how they you know, rhyme. And they rapped on punk rock, and they rapped on electronic music, and they rapped on the mainstream. So feel free to use video to bring your personality to life, to put snippets on there, to do like Rana Awas does, and everybody on creating a video of how use video as a format for marketing if you're creating a podcast and you're putting on camera, you're creating a vlog. So just be mindful of where you draw the line if you want to succeed as a, as a podcaster. And you may be a better vlogger or a radio personality than you're a podcaster, and that's, that's okay. I'm not here to judge anyone, but I think it's a very important point to highlight because you know if you're designing a podcast, you're going to design a podcast and work on how it works better. If you're designing a podcast, but then it's a video, so it gets more views on YouTube, it's no longer a podcast, you're pushing water uphill. So I don't know. That's my, my opinion. I don't know how many people agree with me. Yeah, I'll piggyback off of that. I agree, actually, with Rami a lot. So, for instance, Joe Rogan, I don't know if you know him, but yeah, right? So a lot of his snippets actually go viral on YouTube. All he does is he has, it's like it's a podcast setup. You have a mic here and a mic here, and you're looking at each other, you're talking. Allahumma fi camera shagala, that's it. But those two, three, four minute snippets that go viral online, those are what funnel people back into the podcast pretty much. So it's podcast first, there's literally just a camera rolling, that's pretty Absolutely. much it. Agreed. So it's, it's how you use video and that thin line between a vlog and a podcast. And in today's world, they could be one and the same. So, but I, I think the mindset of, I wanna create a video format versus I wanna create an audio format, the design and the approach and the structure is completely different. Specifically, if you're talking about stuff like science and art, and we talked about that, so how do you bring that to life and what does video have to play from there? And, and so, I, I don't know, I've been hearing it a lot. I thought it's worth mentioning. There, there is that thin line between I'm going to create a vlog or I'm going to create a podcast. And there's the big overlap between an audiobook and a podcast. So mine, when you're designed, because we're all sunk, and I've, I did a podcast to learn the process. We're all sunk in the creative process that sometimes a lot of details fall over. And then you only learn 10 episodes down the line. So something to think about. But I'm not against using video. I'm just saying just mind where the line is between a vlog and a podcast. Last question. Yeah, uh, yes, hello. Uh, I just want to follow up uh, on this uh, stuff you said regarding the video and the podcast. Uh, actually, uh, we are at House, uh, House Zofi. Uh, the latest uh, season that we started, we started to do every episode with the, with the video podcast. So <clears throat> to me, because I'm doing all the production regarding the sound, uh, the, the quality of the sound and the videos, 
what I do is basically, it's the, the same audio that I'm working on. I just sync it with my video. Uh, the reason that we, that we use the YouTube uh, is because we've seen a lot of demands in, uh, uh, a lot of demands from the people, from, uh, from our listeners. They said, you know, we want, uh, we want to see uh, YouTube. We want to see you people, you know? Uh, and we're starting to get uh, a lot of uh, traffic. A lot, of, uh, a lot of followers uh, because because of, because of the YouTube, but sometimes people have the, this YouTube mentality that says no. Since you are on, on YouTube, you have to go at the same rules as as the YouTube. Everybody knows the YouTube and the algorithms and everything, so it doesn't really supports uh, really supports the the podcasting uh, scene, the podcasting platform, but uh, we manage it. So that uh, so that's why, uh, to me, in my opinion, I see that putting a video uh, to your podcast is uh, just an extra step for uh, for you to uh, to be um, even if it's not popular, but uh, just uh, to have more people listening to you to to be interested in the stuff that you are doing. You see, that, that's it. That, that, that's my opinion, Yanni. Okay. okay, thank you very much. We would like to thank our panelists. This concludes our panel discussion section of the day. Um, we have one more discussion thingy that we want to do.